This is Rob McClellan with Think Smart with TMFG. I'm a senior financial advisor with the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management. On today's podcast, we're going to be having a special guest, Mr. Darren Form. Uh, Darren is a financial advisor uh, with Asante Capital Management. He is out of uh, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, and he's been an advisor for over 27 years. Uh, Darren and I have probably known each other for maybe 25 of those years, having both worked in Asante, and we got to, uh, to know each other very early on in our careers. So Darren, welcome to today's podcast. Good morning, Rob. Thanks for having me. Glad you're here. So Darren, to, to get started, I think it's helpful for my audience to sort of understand your background. Before you became a financial advisor, you know, what was life? Where did you grow up? You know, what, did you have a career before you were an advisor? Sure. So um, I'm a small town guy at heart, I guess. I grew up in northeastern Saskatchewan in a small town. Went off to university at the University of Saskatchewan. And, and upon graduation, I spent some time in the armed forces. Uh, my undergrad was criminology, but I've always had an interest in finance. So upon, uh, upon returning from my time, in the infantry, I uh, did a deep dive into finance, and, and that takes me to where I am today. So did you start with Asante, or were you with a firm prior to Asante? Give me, give me sort of how all that happened. Yeah, great question. Um, back in the late 80s and the early 90s, there was a lot of consolidation in the, uh, in the investment and finance industry. So I was actually part of a precursor to Asante probably to, prior to Asante going public. So I spent some time at a couple of really small firms before ending up at what is uh, now a, a very large national firm. Okay. So I know you're part of a, you know, uh, almost a super branch where you, it's yourself and, and two other advisors as partners. Tell me a, a little bit about your practice and, and, and where your focus is, what, what your, client, your average client looks like. You know, are, is it specialized, not specialized? Give, me, give, give the audience sort of a rundown. So we tend, do tend to have a fairly specialized practice in, in working with owner operators, uh, folks who would be founders or second gen, or in some cases, third generation owners of family businesses. Our typical client is, you know, late forties to, you know, probably late seventies, um, having spent an entire lifetime building a family asset in a manufacturing business or, or some type of owner-operated business. We do a, a really good job of working with families through succession and transition and tax planning, uh, estate planning. So we have a team that's well-versed in a lot of those areas, uh, working very closely with the accountants and the lawyers and, uh, and quite often working very closely with the entire family of our client. So my own experience in working with owner operators and business owners is they always believe that their best investment is their own business. So how do you get them as a group to, to start saving for retirement? What are some of the strategies there that you use? Yeah, so uh, we would actually hold that exact same um, consideration. I think that our clients, their best investment is without a doubt, um, their operating company. And we, we encourage reinvestment back into that operating company, um, but we also encourage some thoughtful consideration about how that fits into the context of where they are in their life. So when they're younger, reinvesting back into the company, 
growing it. Um, those are all really important things. At some point in time, most uh, owners tend to recognize that there is some concentration risk in having all of their money tied up into one company in one city and one province in one country in the world. And so there comes a point in time where a company is, is kicking out sufficient profit uh, earnings that the owner starts to take something off the table. They start to recognize that maybe I don't want to reinvest all of this back into the business. Quite often, that's when we come into the picture to help them to frame a bit of an investment policy, a bit of a framework on what to do with money that is now coming out of the business. Do we, do we talk about you know, adding to their, their personal real estate portfolio? Do they look at you know, buying the real estate that they're operating out of? Or maybe we actually engage in a discussion about utilizing some of the tax preferred programs that the government has put forward. Things like registered retirement savings plans, um, tax-free savings accounts, registered education savings plans, or maybe even retaining some of that profit in an investment portfolio right inside their holding company. Great, great. So lots of different strategies in terms of savings. And I've always found it interesting because a lot of, you know, when you're dealing with some of their accountants, the accountants are all like, take as little income personally as possible. But if you do that, that really hinders what you can put into an RSP account, what you can put into a TFSA, because often they don't have a cash flow and you can't put those vehicles inside a corporation. So I've always struggled with that myself. Um, talk a little bit about your thoughts on portfolio management and diversification and, and are you active or passive? Um, I know what you are, but tell the audience yeah. you know what you are and how you got there. Sure. It's, it, and I think that that's, it's a great question because it, um, that stems from who we're working with. And most of our clients have the lion's share of their net worth tied up in their operating company. So for them to hand me money to go and buy a handful of publicly traded stocks um, doesn't seem to achieve that grand purpose of diversifying away from their core asset, their critical asset that is turning out a really high profit margin, most of the folks that we work with tend to come to us uh, not to make them rich, but to keep them there, right? So they're showing up and saying, I don't need, I don't need you to make me 20%, but I do need to make sure that it's going to be there for the long haul. And the only way that I can do that is, is really building a truly globally diversified portfolio that is highly liquid with a fairly predictable source of outcomes over a long period. Right, right. See, they don't need to hit home runs. They've probably already hit the home run with their business. Now they need to get a bunch of singles and doubles to keep that money growing to, to one day retire. I love the baseball analogy. Absolutely. What do you do to reduce clients' income taxes? Do you have any specific thing that's specific to what you do with your business owners? Well, I think, you know, there's, there are only so many things that you can do, but if we're doing our job from a planning perspective, we're being very purposeful and intentional about working with their other professional advisors. So we can reduce income taxes 
through things like RSPs or TFSAs or proper facilitation of, of retaining assets either in their holding company. Uh, some of the other things that we can do, it comes onto our side, I guess, would be managing portfolios with very low turnover where we can defer capital gains or where we can examine the dividends in the portfolio and how that's going to affect either their corporate returns or their personal returns. I think the other thing that we do is we engage in a, in a fairly extensive review of current taxes today and taxes in their estate. In some cases, you may not actually want to keep your taxes really low today if that simply means that they're going to be really high in your estate. So a proper plan can help to address a step-by-step review of your tax situation every year, ultimately coming up with a tax strategy that fits the needs of your overall family. So... We've got tax liabilities, whether now and in the future. I guess with business owners, where it may be a little different, typically they won't have any group insurance, company insurance. And I know you've done a really good job implementing insurance protection for your clients, whether it's life, disability, critical. Talk to me about how you would start that conversation, how hard do you push the clients on it, and and maybe even talk about some of the strategies for estate. Yeah, sure. It's a great question because I think insurance is quite often um, widely misunderstood. Insurance is simply having something in the background in the event that you need it. You know, if my house burns down and I don't have insurance, I now need to come up with a source of capital to replace my home. I think that it's no different with life insurance. If something happens to me, for example, and my income flow, my cash flow stops to my family, how will they replace it? And if if my wife was was willing and interested and able to say, listen, I, I don't need any of your ongoing cash flow, I'll just do it on my own, then maybe I don't actually need insurance. I might take the view that I'd rather my family not have to engage in that behavior. And so I would want to examine whether there is an insurance strategy that supplies future cash flow should it disappear. Inside a business, it's a little bit different because you might be in a scenario where the transaction of shares from one generation to another could trigger insurance. If the business has lots of cash, they don't necessarily need insurance. If the business doesn't have a lot of cash and they're going to need to come up with cash to pay a a future income tax bill and they don't want to sell off hard assets, well, then insurance might be part of the strategy. For me, it's just about providing good plan to understand what's going to happen or what might happen in the future and examining alternatives that may better help to solve the problems. Right, right. Do you find your clients want to leave a big estate to their children, their beneficiaries? Is that part of the grand plan or is it all client dependent? Yeah, so I think it's client dependent. I think that, I mean, we're all family oriented. We care about the people we're leaving behind. So I, I guess what I might, where I might turn that is, for me, it's the conversation that's most important to find out if somebody wants to leave an estate a large estate, or if they want to be charitable through their estate, that conversation leads to the plan of action that will help them to achieve that goal. Okay. 
So we've had a great run in the market for the last year and a half since we had the COVID you know, correction in March of 2020. And to me, what's been interesting is the market's delivered phenomenal returns, and yet investors are starting to look at all these other investment strategies and options out there. And I just want to, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, let's start with the, the big one, cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. Would Is this something you would recommend to your clients? Is this something you would purchase yourself? What are your thoughts? I don't know. I find it. So cryptocurrency, it's a currency, I guess, if we if we start there, or it could eventually become a currency. I think it's a really interesting idea that we have this frictionless form of potential future cash. I like a lot of it, but I'm not, I, I don't have a lot of clients reaching out to me to buy US dollars or lira or, you know, American or, or rather European dollars or euro. So I first and foremost see cryptocurrency as some form of currency. Um, it has a really, there's this unique concept of the blockchain technology and the ledger system behind it. I'm very intrigued by that. I think that there's incredible future possibilities that route. I just don't see a way that I could put a cryptocurrency into an investment portfolio with a predictable or expected future return or future return characteristics when you know Bitcoin, which is probably the most prominent one right now, can swing on any given week or month by 10 or 20%. I just, I, and, and it's very unpredictable. We just don't see a place for that in a portfolio where we are aiming for a very predictable source or range of outcomes. So I see it as a speculative thing that somebody could do on the side, but I just don't see it as an investment. Got it. So let's review that. So it's a currency. So typically you're not going out and buying different currencies for your clients. I get that. I'm the same. It produces no income. So you're not buying the currency for income. So really, the only reason you'd buy a cryptocurrency is to hope to sell it to someone else at a higher price down the road. Right. Assuming that somebody will be willing to pay more than what you paid for it today. Which is, at the end of the day, speculation. 100%. Okay, SPACs. So uh, special purpose acquisition companies. What are your thoughts on those? So they're going out and they got a two-year window to go out and buy. So they raise a bunch of money. You know, let's say they raise... $500 million, and they got two years to go out and buy companies, um, hopefully at a discount, but they've got a two-year window to do that. What What are your thoughts on it? Is this something people should be putting their money into? You know, it's a, it's a really interesting question. That's a deep question because <clears throat> it wanders into a lot of different spaces, but I'll start with this. Our clients tend to be business owners, which means that they're already exposed to private equity in a big way. So exposing them to further private equity just never fits into our plan. So uh, a SPAC typically doesn't work for a lot of my clients. For that reason alone, we're seeking diversification and predictable outcomes. When I do a deep dive into SPACs, what I, I find is it, it's an interesting situation where you're handing over a blank check to somebody to spend your money. Um, the governance requirements, um, the trust that that would take is enormous. 
So I can't help but wonder if it's driven by very current set of, of outcomes and circumstances. Um, and I, I, I've always liked the idea of patient money and right. SPACs or anything but patient money right now. So I think you're chasing, you're chasing, chasing a lot, a small number of outcomes with a lot of dollars. And any time that demand outstrips supply, it strikes me that it's highly unlikely that you're going to buy anything uh, undervalued. I think you're actually more likely to buy it overvalued. So there's just there's a whole bunch of pieces that come together with this fact that it seems to me that it's probably more of a trend right. than a long-term, long-term investment. Term so we hear about NFTs, non-refundable tokens. What about that? Going to put it in a client portfolio or pass? Yeah, I'll pass. Um, I grew up with what are they called chia pets and pet rocks, and I, I don't, I don't see this. This, this is very much one of those things for me. Got it, got it. Okay, robo advisors. So they've been out for probably five, six years now in this country. Um, are they having a big impact on your business? No. Okay. I'm a massive fan. I love, I love the idea of. Um, of a, a very low cost entry point into a portfolio of financial assets that um, takes a lot of the heavy lifting off of the investor and, and, and places it uh, onto a, a, a really intelligent algorithm. So I think for smaller um, clients <clears throat> with fairly simple situations, the, the robo concept is, is wonderful. I think, it, I think it's gonna be a game changer for for general RSP TFSA type work where there's not a lot of planning. Okay. So I think we've covered some of those, you know, we'll probably skip on meme stocks. I'm sure that's not going to line up either. So tell me about what's the hardest part of your job? What's the hardest part of being a financial advisor for your clients? Complexity is difficult. I think complexity drives... um, a very multi-layered approach to planning. And that's a combination of making sure that husband and wife are on the same page, um, that we're, uh, we really understand their goals and objectives, that we can work closely with their other advisors, and that we can pull all of that together in a meaningful way that won't be banged around too much by the emotional context of owning a business and contemplating retirement, uh, going through difficult times. COVID showed itself to be a very difficult time for a lot of owners. Staying true to your plan in the middle of those sort of tumultuous circumstances, that can be challenging at times. And so I think sometimes, um, you know, our teams are highly educated and, and very capable of putting together tax and estate and investment plans. The real hard work is making sure that within the context of of the difficulties of a day-to-day, we can stay on track. So let's turn that into what's the best advice that you think you give your clients, that you give it consistently? What what is that advice? I think that's the same advice that I, I would give anybody in any space across the board. Communication. We really need our clients to be open and honest with us about what's important to them, what their fears are, what they want for themselves and for their family. The more honest, the more open, the more that they can communicate with us, the better the job that we can do. 
And I think that that filters down if they turn that um, and communicate with their family, the better they understand what their family expectations are. I mean, so I think that communication, uh, when done right in a really open setting, uh, it, it sets the groundwork for some really good future outcomes. It's interesting you say that. Mike and I did a podcast uh, on what are some of the things that make a great client? And really, communication is, is one of the keys. If they really communicate what their goals are, what their wishes are, what their expectations are, what's going on in their life, you can do a much better job. I think that's a great point. If you could start over again, start your career over again as a financial advisor, is there anything you would do different? That's a great question. I um, talk to my kids who are now at an age where they're starting to enter the workforce and I, I don't. I don't have any regrets, and I think that that's important. I don't. I'm, I'm glad not to have made such large mistakes in my life that I have regrets. But I've made all kinds of small mistakes. I think it's the making of those small mistakes that accelerated learning for me in certain areas. So if I look back, I'm I'm, I'm pretty happy with where things are at. So I have to assume that some of those mistakes led me to where I am today. So I'm glad to have been able to make lots of small mistakes. I'm really happy that I didn't make any big mistakes. And so I think I would encourage you know, young people coming into the business or young people starting business on, starting their own business, make lots of small mistakes. That's okay. But do your best to stay within the guardrails of the big mistakes. Yeah. Be really intentional and purposeful about your life that way. And, you know, it's interesting you say that because I always think the one thing we prevent our clients from doing is, or at least we try to, is, is making that big mistake. Because those big mistakes are, are really uh, tough to overcome. Sometimes there's no recovery. So, Darren, thanks for joining us today. It was, uh, it was a pleasure to hear what's going on in, in uh, Saskatoon and, and, and in terms of your business. Um, thank you very much. Thanks, Rob. Really appreciate you having me. You've been a, a great friend for a long time, and uh, I love what you guys are doing with your podcast and with your team. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. This is Rob McClellan from the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management with Think Smart with TMFG. listening to the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management Limited. Asante Capital Management Limited is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. Insurance products and services are provided through Asante Estate and Insurance Services Incorporated. This material is provided for general information and is subject to change without notice. Every effort has been made to compile this material from reliable sources. However, no warranty can be made as to its accuracy or completeness. Before acting on any of the previous information, please make sure to see a professional advisor for individual financial advice based on your personal circumstances. The opinions expressed are those of the authors and not necessarily those of Asante Capital Management Limited.